Now we're thankful this morning that, uh, so let me ask that now that I have my microphone turned on, how many of you already knew that? How many of you were thinking, what if I have really fat fingers? Okay. Or really small fingers maybe, I don't know. But I uh, appreciate Critter, he's been uh, doing our Life Hacks video, so we talked about this several months ago. And uh, then about, a, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago in staff meeting, we're talking about it again. And, uh, and Critter, if you know Critter, when he gets his mind on something, then it's not on anything else. And uh, so by the end of staff meeting, as we moved on to every other thing on the agenda, uh, he had written down 12 life hacks for us to do. So that is how he got nominated to do all the videos. So uh, I think actually he went home one night and did eight of those videos at one time. And uh, Elise was wise enough to change shirts every time he did that. And uh, so appreciate uh, Critter. Also, Critter did a great job preaching for us last week. Uh, gave us a great challenge. If you, uh, yeah, give him a hand. Uh, give Critter a hand. I'll tell him you're clapping for him because he's not here today, all right? So, but uh, he is, uh, I want you to pray for him. And uh, Critter and our youth intern, Blake, took seven high school students uh, to uh, Camp Barnabas. So maybe you've seen that on the back of the, the bulletin, Camp Barnabas, and you have no idea what that is. It's not just another youth camp for our kids to go to. Uh, this is a camp in Missouri that is a special needs camp. And so our students who went will get paired up with a camper that has special needs, and that will be who they do camp with. And so they'll uh, take them to every activity. And, and uh, so it's a great opportunity for our kids to learn how to serve others. And so pray for them as they are on Table Rock Lake uh, outside of Branson. They'll be coming back Friday. Uh, but we have, uh, again started this series a few weeks ago, Life Hacks. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter number 2. Proverbs chapter 2. It just so happens to work out this morning that today is July the 2nd and we are in Proverbs chapter 2. I would like to say that I orchestrated that, but we'll give credit to the Lord on that. And so it kind of is a good reminder as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 2 that uh, as we continue through this series, uh, next week we'll be in Proverbs chapter 16, but as we continue this series, to encourage you every, every day to read one of the Proverbs. And so, easy way to do that is that, that you read the corresponding chapter to the corresponding date, all right? So it just worked out great today. You're going to get your reading for today done in church and then tomorrow, if you're really smart, you will have already figured out that you should read Proverbs chapter number what? Three, all right? Some of you are, are still awake with us this morning, all right? So Proverbs chapter two, if you have your bulletin, I'd encourage you to get that out, get a pen, and take some notes. So whether you have your Bible physically there, or maybe you're on your iPad or your phone, and to take some notes and write some additional notes there to help you think about it. Uh, through the week. Now, the title. So look at this, what we're going to talk about. Pursue wisdom. Okay, pursue wisdom. The first week we talked in, uh, we were in Proverbs chapter 1, and we talked about Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And really in Proverbs chapter 1 through Proverbs chapter 9 is really a conversation between Solomon writing to his son, uh, Solomon, the king of Israel, writing to his son. And so as also when we think through the book of Proverbs, we looked at it the first week that wisdom isn't just a thing. Wisdom is a person. 
Wisdom is Jesus Christ. And so when we think about pursue wisdom, who, are, who or what are we really pursuing? The person of Jesus Christ. So when we look at the book of Proverbs and we think about the son and the father, Solomon writing to his son, then we also have to understand it's a picture of the father being God the father, the son being those who are followers of Jesus Christ. So when it says, my son, it's speaking to believers, pursue wisdom, it's saying pursue Jesus, all right, to pursue Jesus. And so we think about uh, just kind of a reminder of what we're looking at. So key thought is also here on your bulletin this morning, the key thought this morning that is going to kind of lead our message. The only things worth pursuing are those things worth having. That's like really deep thought, isn't it? The things worth pursuing are the things worth having. If you were here a few weeks ago, in fact, it was our first message in Life Hacks in Proverbs chapter 1, we talked about Eli. And remember we talked about Samuel and Eli, and there was a part of that scripture that we read where it seemed like maybe God was, had broken his promise or had gone back on a promise. And we told you that it wasn't that God went back on his promise, is that he was fulfilling the agreement of the promise. And we talked about the if-then promise, or an if-then agreement, okay? And you guys are looking at me with a lot of blank, lost stares. So I'm going to explain what that means. Every parent in here knows what an if-then agreement is. Okay, so when we're talking about Eli, God said, if you obey me and you follow me and you do what I've asked you to do, then... Uh, the priesthood will stay in your family in generation to generation to generation. The problem was Eli did not keep the if. Therefore, God was no longer responsible to keep the, the then, right? So if then, and so every parent knows this, right? Every parent has given an if then promise. Raise your hand if you've given an if then promise, all right? Every student in here has received an if then promise, and the truth is, uh, I remember as a kid becoming very, very good at manipulating the if-then promises, right? So parents, I want you to make sure and take some notes because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some advice that's going to blow your mind, all right? If-then, I want to give you three keys. This is not in your bulletin. This is extra material, right? Bonus material this morning because I love you parents so much. If-then, and so here's three keys to an if-then promise or agreements. The first one is this. Clearly define the if. Clearly define the if. So, right, the if defines what you want done. So you must, parents, you understand this, right? Clearly define the if. And so my, my thinking here this morning is that when your definition of clean your room is a lot different than their definition of what a clean room is. Do you guys know what I'm saying? So clearly define what? If you clean your room, so we need to define clearly what clean your room means, right? So clearly define the if. And the number two, be prepared and able to fulfill the then. That's kind of hard to say. Be prepared and able to fulfill the promise, right? So the if is what you define for them to do. The then is the reward of doing what they're supposed to do. 
Are, are you guys following me? So, so be willing and be able and prepared. Okay, so when you tell your kids, if you don't go to bed within the next five minutes, let, let me rephrase it, if you don't go to sleep within the next five minutes, we're not getting up tomorrow morning and going to grandma's house for Christmas and open up Christmas presents. You're a liar. You're getting up tomorrow, and you're going to Grandma's house, and you're going to open Christmas present, correct? So if you're going to give a reward or a punishment, then be prepared and able to fulfill it. The third thing, this is the, 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 the key of all keys. Okay, so if you haven't taken notes thus far, shame on you, but take number three, all right? You had better make sure that the then is good enough. You better make sure the then is good enough. My grandfather, my, my mom's dad, we called him Grandpa Elby. That was at least in my generation before you had all the different names like Pappy and Poppy and Papa and Moo Moo and Mimi and I don't know all the other things. <laughs> Moo Moo is probably not a good one, but... Uh, my, my grandpa, Elby, he was like, hey, if you mow the lawn, I'll give you a nickel. Do you think I wanted that nickel? Like, for him, a nickel bought a Coke and a Popsicle and a movie, right? And he would tell me that. Well, it doesn't do that anymore, grandpa. So make sure that if there is a then attached to the if, that the reward is worth having. In fact, I, I thought of as right before I came up here, I was going to get a $20 bill and say, whoever wants this $20 bill, if you would like it, come get it. Anybody have a $20 bill I can have this morning? <laughs> Dad, you got a $20 bill I can... If you give it to me, then... No. Maybe, that's a good one. If, you give, if someone would bring me a $20 bill, then I will get us out early this morning. Anybody want to bring me a $20 bill? Tyler, you ain't got no money. Nobody's, nobody's going to take me up in the offer. $20 bill. Nobody? I'll take a check. So here, here would be a good warning if you're on your way to bring me a $20 bill is you might want to clearly define what early means. Because I was planning on going really late today. So I could let you out early, Right? Okay, so if then, make sure the reward is worth it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dad. Early. You said early. Early, I will. It'll be earlier. Thank you. Hey, that illustration worked out so much better than I thought. Make sure it's worth having, right? So my intention, never mind, we're going to move on. I, I got 20 bucks. I got to get us out of here early. Okay? So remember the key we talked about. It's on your outline. The only things worth pursuing are the things worth having. One of the greatest verses of Scripture that will give us an if-then promise, which Tyler already read for us. And this was, now understand this. This was a promise given to the nation of Israel. 
King Solomon went to God in chapter 6. It was the uh, dedication of the temple. Remember, David couldn't build the temple because there was blood on his hands, and so he got everything ready for his son Solomon to build the temple. Solomon finished the temple. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, he's praying, he's dedicating the temple, and he makes a request to God. God, if we would turn from our sins and our wickedness and we would repent of our evil, if we had humbled ourselves and we would seek your face, God, would you pour out your blessings upon the nation of Israel? Would you protect us? Would you provide for us? Would you bless us? Because God's original intent for the nation of Israel was to bless them so much through their obedience that everyone would want to, to worship and serve the God that had chosen them. Unfortunately, Israel didn't often keep up with their promises, right? And so the if-then promise that most of us would remember, as Tyler read for us, is if my people, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, it's not on your outline, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So you see the, the conditions, the requirement, what is clearly defined here? If they will humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will seek my face, if they will turn from their wicked ways. So if, now we get to what? The then. Then what will God do? It's a conditional promise. The promise was made specifically to the nation of Israel. The chosen people, if then I will what? I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will hear their land. So Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to look at a couple ifs, all right? A couple ifs, and we will also look at a couple thens, all right? So Proverbs chapter number 2, follow along as I read it this morning. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek for her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, what's the next word then? Then. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice, preserves the way of his saints. Then... You will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of un uh, uprightness. To walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, delight in the perversity of the wicked whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep the path of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the earth. The unfaithful will be uprooted from it. So three ifs. Number one, if you pursue, so we're trying to pursue wisdom, if you pursue humbly. If you pursue humbly, verse one says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. And I think the greatest reason, the greatest hindrance, the greatest obstacle for us as believers to hear the word of God and to receive the word of God is our own pride. We are prideful people. As parents, you know, and how difficult it is to teach a, a child who thinks they know everything. Anybody raised a strong-willed, know-it-all child? Okay. 
My dad raised a couple of them. I wasn't one of those. It's, it's hard to teach somebody who knows everything. And, and one of the reasons that we don't go, go to God in prayer as often as we should, the reality is, one of the main reasons we don't is because we think we have it all under control. And pride keeps us from seeking and pursuing the God who knows everything, the God who's in control of all things, because we are filled with pride. Philippians chapter 2 says, "What Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought not robbery equal with God, but he humbled himself, and he put on human flesh. He goes on to say, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. In order for me to receive the message from God, in order for me to pursue the wisdom of God, in order for me, as we're talking about here, to pursue Christ, I must humble myself. Now again, this is reference here to believers, those who've already given their life to Jesus Christ, that it's, it's a, a, a continuation, a continual humbling of myself to say, God, I need Jesus. I need wisdom. Daily, I pursue Christ. But this, this idea of if in order for me to pursue, I must humble myself, it begin, salvation begins with humility, doesn't it? Salvation begins by understanding that I can't be good enough to get to God. Salvation begins with understanding, God, there is nothing within me that's good. Paul said, my righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. It's worthless. So in order for me, at the age of 17, and I was at youth camp at Brownwood, Texas, and in order for me to receive the gift of grace and the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins and eternal home in heaven, I had to humble myself and say, God, I surrender my life to Jesus. So the first step in wisdom, the first step in obedience, the first step in receiving Jesus into your life is to humble yourself. Admit I'm a sinner. Turn from my sins and my selfishness and my self-righteousness and turn to Jesus. How I continue to grow in wisdom and continue to grow in my relationship with Jesus is through humility. The second one, number two, if you pursue submissively, if you will pursue submissively. So in this verse two of Proverbs two, for point number two, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, verse 2 says. What, what does that mean? So you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. And what the original meaning of this was is not, hey, listen up. It wasn't just, hey, pay attention. Incline your ear to wisdom. It brings with this, this thought. Not only am I listening, but when I listen, I'm listening with the intent of obeying and submitting to whatever I hear. So this morning when you walked in to the doors, and you walk in and you're going to sit through a message, a short one today, right? A, a short message today. Do you walk in with the idea of, Lord, what, whatever, I want to hear from you. I'm going to listen to you. And I think that's the easy part. The hard part is before you walk in the doors and as you sit down and as we open up our Bible that you say, God, whatever you, whatever you reveal to me today, the answer is yes. 
So how can we explain this? You ever got a phone call that someone says, the first thing they say to you is, hey, can you do me a favor? That's a loaded question, isn't it? They always say that the pause between, hey, can you do me a favor, and then beginning to talk is how big the favor is going to be, okay? So just a little information there. Now, how many of you, when someone asks you that question, respond with, what's the favor? That's your first response, right? Because you're not committing to something you don't know, right? Somebody called me last week, and, and I honestly can't remember who it was, and I can't remember the favor. But I remember processing this in my mind as I answered the question. So they called me, and the first thing said, hey, can you do me a favor? You know what my immediate response was? Sure, what do you need? And I think I processed it because like, oh my gosh, my alarms are going off. Like, don't say yes until you know the favor, right? But here's the reason, as I was processing through this, waiting for what the favor was, here's the reason I said yes so quickly. Because the person who called me, it didn't matter what they asked me to do. I was going to do it. Even if I didn't want to do it, I was going to do it. Because of who that person was, then I was willing to say, yeah, sure, what do you need? Now, I don't do that for everyone, all right? Just, just so you know. You know, right? <laughs> so if I was willing to say yes, whatever, should that be my response when I open God's word? You've heard it said before that my life should be a blank check to God. God, I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want to do with me. I think of these students here who just got back from camp, and, and, and at that camp, many people made the decision to surrender to missions. We had one of our students who surrendered to missions, and, and I think of a student, 15, 16, 17 years old, and be able to just say, God, my life is yours, whatever you want. You know, it's interesting for everyone in the room that's not over here and not a 15 or 14 or 16-year-old kid. It's easy for us to say, yeah, you guys should, your, your life should be a blank check. Your life's ahead of you. Do whatever God asks you to do. Because they're all judging you. That's what they're thinking of you right now, okay? But what about us who are 40, almost 44, I didn't want to say it, 54, 64, 74? Should our life still be a blank check before God? And should we walk, every time we walk into these doors and we hear a message from God, or every time, every morning we get up and we open our Bible and read and we're going through the F-260 plan, we're saying, God, whatever I hear from you today, I am willing to do it. Yes. If we want to know Jesus, we've got to be humbly pursuing him. We've got to be submissively saying, God, whatever you want. The third one is that we must pursue God primar primarily. Look what verse 3 and 4 said. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek for her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, do you, do you see the passion in that, the pursuit, the priority God, I'm going to pursue you no matter what. I'm going to seek for wisdom. I'm going to seek for Christ. I'm going to seek to know Christ with everything I have. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And, in, and the truth is, so my guess is that you're really like me in a lot of ways. And that is that it's really easy to be distracted by a lot of different things. Even a lot of good things. And so maybe this morning, just a little time of self-evaluation in your own life. What are you primarily seeking? We, see we, want, we say we want to know God, and we say we want wisdom, and we say that our life is, a, is submitted, surrendered to God, but, but what are our priorities? What does our schedule reveal about what we really are pursuing? Can we honestly this morning say, Jesus is my number one pursuit? Jesus is my primary focus of my life. Jesus, what do you want from me today? That I get up every single morning and I say, Jesus, this is your, thank you for another day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And Jesus, I am pursuing you focused. And the, and the reality is, that as I kind of look around the room this morning and how quiet it is right now, either you're sleeping with your eyes open or you're struggling with that question like I am yeah maybe God has been kind of pushed aside a little bit maybe pursuing Jesus has not been my number one focus so if I really want Jesus, if I really want wisdom, if I really want a relationship with God like I say I do, then I'm going to pursue him humbly, submissively, and primarily. So that's the ifs. Let's look at the thens real quick. Number one, then you will receive the knowledge of God. You will receive the knowledge of God, Proverbs 2.5. Uh, Proverbs 2, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge. You will fear and understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Think about this for a moment. We can know God. God has preserved for us his message to us. I think one of the greatest testimonies of the power of God is the fact that you and I this morning hold his message to us. The, the word of God has been attacked more than any other literature in all of history. And yet it is the most well-preserved historical document, document by far. Is that, is that a testimony of the power of God? That God is revealing himself to us through his word. And if I pursue him humbly, if I pursue him submissively, if I pursue him primarily, then I will receive the knowledge of God. Number two, then you will know the way. And all throughout Proverbs and really all throughout Scripture, you, you have this contrast. Two ways, two paths, two gates. Remember the Scripture the one path is wide and leads to destruction. The one path is narrow and it leads to life. And what did Jesus say in John chapter 14, verse 6? Jesus said, I am the what? 
way. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so the pursuit of Jesus leads us to the way. One of the number one questions that people ask is, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I know God's will for my life? The the easy answer that may sound like a cop-out is, pursue him every day. And every day make decisions that you feel God is leading you to make. And guess what? You'll be in the will of God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your what? Paths. Verse number 9 says, if you look over at verse number 9, Again, this is one of the thens. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good what? Path. Number three. So you receive the knowledge of God. You will know the way. And number three, you'll be protected on the way. Verse 7, he's a shield. Verse 8, he guards the path. Verse 11, preserve and keep you. Verse 12, he'll deliver you. Verse 16, he'll deliver you. You will be protected on the way. Now, there's three different evils that's mentioned in verses 7 through 12 here. There's the evil man, there's the evil woman, and there's the evil way. In no particular order, all right? And, and in, in the last part there, it talks about the evil woman. I think it's literally talking about uh, the scenario it gives you there. But I think it's a deeper meaning of that. The evil woman represents more than just a female person. That this is more of a representation of false idols, idolatry. The nation of Israel struggled with idolatry, didn't they? Let me, let me give for you a definition of what an idol is. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give what only God can give. Let me read it again. Anything that absorbs your heart... And imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. So three questions really. Three thoughts. We say we want wisdom. And, and this is the questions you need, to, you need to wrestle with in your own life. Are you pursuing God humbly? Has pride got in your way? Are you pursuing God submissively? In other words, God, whatever you want from my life, yes. Are you pursuing God primarily? That's the ifs. We made the statement that the then better be worth the if. You will receive the knowledge of God, know the way of God, and be protected by God. Do you think the then is worth the if? Here's the reality. Here again on the bottom of your bulletin this morning. We get the key thought again. The only thing worth pursuing are the things worth having. Look at the line below that. What does it say? Just read it to yourself for a minute. Is Jesus 
worth your time? Is Jesus worth pursuing? The only things worth pursuing are those things worth having. I would say Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth everything. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment this morning. And I want you to wrestle with those questions. This is, this is time for you to reflect. We're going to have a moment here, what some would call a, a time of invitation or a time of response. As God revealed to you this morning, I'm really not pursuing Christ like I should. Even though I would say he's worth everything. He is worth pursuing. And my guess is that most everyone in the room here this morning would say, yes, Jesus is worth pursuing. But maybe this morning God's revealed to you that what you say and what you do are two different things. I want to ask real quick this morning, it's going to be brief time of response this morning, but who would say, John, God revealed to me through the word today that I'm really not pursuing him like I should. If that's you this morning, you would like to admit that before God, and you would like to ask for prayer, would you just lift your hand up for a moment this morning? Just lift your, your hand up for a moment. A lot of us. And put your hands down. I would challenge you this morning. In a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to continue in worship. But if God revealed to you something this morning that you need to change, that you need to fix, that you need to correct, that you need to realign or you need to adjust, I would encourage you to come down this morning and pray about it. If you'd like to pray by yourself, you can simply come forward and kneel. If you'd like someone to pray for you, we'll be up here this morning. Come shake our hand, and we would love to pray for you. Maybe God's revealed to you this morning that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never made that first step of humility, of obedience, and saying, God, I need Jesus. And if you would like that to do that this morning, I'm going to ask you in a moment when we stand to walk forward. Shake one of the hands of the people up here in front. Come to me. I'll be standing right here at the center. I would love to show you how to give your life to Christ. Lord, this morning we are, we are grateful that as we pursue you, Lord James says that when we draw nigh to you or when we pursue you, that you draw close to us. The reality is when we turn back around and, and we begin to pursue you, what we understand, what we realize is that all the, all the time you were pursuing us. For those of us in here this morning, Lord, that are wrestling and struggling and, and have been reminded this morning that, that maybe we should pursue you better, differently, more focused. Lord, we just lean into you. Make adjustments. Repent. Turn back to you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to sing a song we've already sang this morning. You know it. So would you stand with me this morning as we worship this morning, as Marty leads us this morning. Marty. You 